Glad you made it out in this weather and, and showed up, and it's awesome to have you here. And, and uh, hey, we get to look to God's Word this morning. What a blessing. And so, if you have your Bibles, we are continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the first 11 verses. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and these guys will get one right to your seat so you can follow along with us. As Gary hands a Bible to people, he says, come to the men's prayer breakfast. Come to the men's prayer breakfast. Come to the men's prayer breakfast. He's a men's prayer breakfast evangelist. <laughs> first, first, first Corinthians. Bob. First Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The title of my message this morning is Gifts for Today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We uh, know, Lord, that your word says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Lord, we recognize you are uh, the gift giver. And we thank you, Lord, just for the gift that we have of being able to gather together here this morning. And open up your word in knowing, Holy Spirit, you are here to speak to our hearts. And not only give us information, but application in our lives. That we might serve you better, Lord, know you more. And be able to bring more glory to your name as we wait your return. Father, we do pray if there's anyone that has joined us that has yet to surrender their heart and life to you, they're not born again. Lord, would you especially touch their heart today, that they would see their need for you, Lord. Turn from their sin and turn to you this morning. Thank you for our time together, Lord. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul begins this section of Scripture by saying, Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Mind you, the fellow that was talking to his next-door neighbor about a speaker he heard the night before, and he told his neighbor, that guy said something that really stuck in my mind. He said that all of the world's problems could be summed up in two words, ignorance and apathy. What do you think? The neighbor replied, I really don't know and I really don't care. I don't usually do blonde jokes, but I found one that was kind of appropriate. I couldn't think of any other way to put it except it's a blonde joke. So with this morning and the weather and the snow, it goes like this. A blonde woman was told to always follow a snow plow when a snowstorm got too rough. So on her way home one night, she did just that. After a half hour of following, the plow stopped and the driver came over to ask her what she was doing. The woman explained she'd been told to follow a snowplow in bad weather, and that's what she was doing. He replied, 
Well, I'm finished with the Walmart parking lot. Do you want to follow me over to Target? (laughs) Ignorance. Here the Apostle Paul introduces the subject of spiritual gifts and he says to them he doesn't want them to be ignorant. Perhaps there there is probably no subject concerning which there has been greater ignorance in the church than the gifts of the Holy Spirit. After 2,000 years of, of expository teaching, of experience, even today Christians argue over the proper use of the gifts. And their ignorance is on both sides of this controversial subject. There are the charismatics and there are the cessationists. The charismatic, the, the word comes to us from the Greek word charisma, the word for spiritual gifts. Charismatics are those who believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today that we see in Scripture. They're functioning for today. But sadly, many charismatics have become charismaniacs. And their ignorance is that they promote this unscriptural exercise of certain gifts and, and they accept all sorts of wild phenomena as valid with or without any biblical basis whatsoever. Now, on the other side of the coin, you have the cessationists. Now, these are the ones that believe that certain gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased to function in the church today. They can find gifts like the gift of miracles and and healings and tongues and prophecy only to the apostolic founding of the church in the first century. Now, their ignorance is that they've overlooked church history, they overrule personal experience, and they take scripture out of context in order to prove their points. You see, the church has been called by Christ to dwell in unity, but it has been divided into these separate camps over the issues, often hurting, hurling harsh words at one another. So Paul is saying here, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. That tells us that all these gifts were exercised in Corinth. Paul tells us that he was not a cessationist. But it also tells us that Paul wanted to correct the unscriptural exercise of these gifts. And so that tells us that he was not a a chrismaniac. So we want to be like Paul. We don't want to be a cessationist and we don't want to be a chrismaniac. So let's look at these things this morning. If you're taking notes, we're going to see three things concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number one, the purpose of the gifts. Number two, the source of the gifts. And number three, the list of the gifts. Number one, the purpose of the gifts. God has given to each one of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ certain gifts of the Holy Spirit because we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible specifically tells us that we as believers are to be using those gifts until we wait for the Lord's return. We're told in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7 in the old King Jimmy version, it says that, so that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The original language is, is uh, speaking about the gift or gifts of the Holy Spirit. We should come behind on no gift as we await the return of Jesus Christ. You know, it's been a little over, what, two, three weeks since Christmas. But can you imagine your kids getting up on Christmas morning, sitting on the sofa, looking all the presents there under the tree. and Oh, this is great. Look at the wrapping on that one. Oh, that one has my name on it. That's awesome. And then they go back to bed. And they do this week after week after week. You finally say, stop, open the gifts. I, I, I got this picked out especially for you. In the same way, spiritually speaking, we, we come to faith in Christ where we're born again and God says, okay, I have some gifts that I want you to use. And, oh, that's awesome, Lord. I've read about your gifts. That's great. And then we go back to bed spiritually sleeping, uh, speaking and, and, and not open the gift that God has for us. 
That's why, again, Paul says we should come behind in no gift. In other words, let's not be guilty of not opening the gifts that God has for us. Because if, if we are, then we can actually be guilty of, of the sin of omission. You know, the sin of, of omission, obviously, is, is the sin of not doing what God has called you to do. So then if the Holy Spirit has given to us spiritual gifts into our life, then it's our responsibility to discover them and use them, lest we, you know, uh, be guilty of committing the sin of quenching the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not quench the Holy Spirit in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, it's like if you're camping and you got the fire going, now you're breaking camp and you're ready to, to, to go home. You take some water and you extinguish the fire. You put it out. That's quenching the fire. And the idea of quenching is when God's Spirit is nudging you or leading you or prompting you uh, to do or say certain thing and you basically say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's quenching the Spirit. And to not discover and use the gifts that God has given to us could be just that. And I understand why some people are reluctant because of uh, the use of the gifts of the Spirit, because of the abuse. And there's a lot of abuse in the area. And, and, and the people that claim to be using the gifts are often the strangest people that you see around. I mean, I have to admit, you look at some of these flamboyant guys with the, the hair that sticks up to here and the white suits and knocking people over and all claiming to be the gifts of the Spirit. I, go, I don't want to have anything to do with that. You know what, let's take a look at the gifts of the Spirit from a different way. Kind of step back from those that perhaps have abused the gifts of the Spirit and look biblically what the Bible says about them. Listen, the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a practical power that God wants us as believers to have in our lives presently. Not some crazed energy like a fire hose that no one has a hold of that's just kind of going all over the place. But rather this concentrated stream of the power of God transforming and changing our lives and changing the world around us. That's the power that the early church had, the power of the Holy Spirit that turned their world upside down. Now, we looked a couple of weeks ago that some of the more practical gifts of the Holy Spirit that, that it was laid out in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And then in verse 11 of Ephesians 4, he said he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers. For what purpose? Well, it goes on in Ephesians 4.12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. See, I think some people get sidetracked with more the different manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit rather than the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it's great to have a, a word of wisdom or the gift of speaking in tongues or the interpretation of tongues, but that's just one function in the body of Christ, a few of the different gifts that God has given to His church. And maybe not as, as important as some of the other gifts. God has given many different gifts within the body of Christ and they're all to be used to build up the body of Christ and for the work of the ministry. Romans chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, Paul tells us, So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion of our faith. Every one of us has a gift, uh, having then gifts, we need to use them. Now that brings us back to 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 3, and point number 2, the source of the gifts. Look at verses 3 through 6. Therefore I make it known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 
There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. So there's a rumor going on within the church, uh, the Corinthian church, that someone had spoken in tongues within the church, and the interpretation of that tongue was blasphemy. That that person uh, speaking in tongues was saying that Jesus is a curse. Now, in spite of Paul seeking to clarify this, the rumor turned into doctrine. And Paul is saying, listen, the source of spiritual gifts come from God. And if the truly, a person is truly speaking for God, then they, they would never say that Jesus is a curse. Now, we can take that in a different way today. There are certain denominations that teach that, the, as I said, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. And then if you're speaking in tongues and you're actually speaking words from the devil and, and anyone who speaks in tongues, you know, can possibly be saved. It's just a demonic manifestation. No, Paul says, that. let me make this clear. Nobody praises the Lord by the power of the devil. If someone is praising God in an unknown tongue, then this is the Holy Spirit inspiration, not the devil. Now, certainly there's a lot more to look at when it comes to the gift of tongues. And we're going to look at that specifically next week. We couldn't get it, get it all in, in one study this morning. But we'll look at that. But look at the last part of, of verse 3. It says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, if I really confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, I can only do so as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. If you made that confession of faith that Jesus is Lord because the Holy Spirit is working in your life and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are there in your life and the source of the gift comes from God and as, as we looked at already, when He ascended on high, He led captivity captive and He gave gifts to men. Drop down, drown now to verses 11 and 12 of 1 Corinthians 12. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the one, as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Paul is saying there's a lot of spiritual gifts and they're all inspired by the Holy Spirit to be worked, again, Ephesians 4, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But then he goes on in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Again, these gifts are given for us to be shared among the congregation for an encouragement of the body of Christ. There's only one gift really that's spoken of here that can can really be used in a a personal devotion and and it's a personal benefit and that is the gift of speaking in tongues. And I said, we'll get to that next week. But this word manifestation here means making visible, perceivable, and recognizable. The spiritual gifts are a tangible way for the Lord to be seen. And when they're exercised properly, they're in a manifestation of the Spirit of God. People can see the Lord through them. Now, this brings us to point number three, the list of gifts. These gifts that, that we have laid out in, in this chapter. As I said already, chapter 12 of, of, of uh, here is only a partial list. There's, there's gifts found in Romans chapter 12. There's, there's Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. But for our purpose this morning, we're just going to look at these gifts here in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 8 through 10 now. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Let's break these down now. Paul starts in verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Now, we see that 
this is a gift because it's been given. It's sources of God because it's through the Holy Spirit. And the gift is, as you open it, the word of wisdom. I think wisdom is, is really such a rare thing in these days. Before we get to uh, begin to look at the word of wisdom, it would be worth our while to know that there's a definite distinction between wisdom and knowledge. So not the same thing. Chuck Smith writes in his book, Living Water, which I, I encourage you to, to read. He writes this, Knowledge is the accumulation of fact. Wisdom is the proper application of the fact. Knowledge will tell you that the cute little black animal with the white stripe down its back is not a cat. Wisdom will tell you to keep your distance. Knowledge will tell you that the coiled creature in front of you is poisonous. Wisdom will tell you to avoid petting it. So where does true wisdom begin? Proverbs 9.10 tells us the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Over and over again you read in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, uh, the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we understand that. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, then you don't have true wisdom. In fact, you haven't even been able to, to walk down that, that path of wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to take the knowledge you have and apply it in a beneficial way. But as a gift of the Holy Spirit, as a gift of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be used in a supernatural way. It's not like you have this supernatural gift that anyone can walk up to you and be like Solomon on steroids. Just, I am filled with wisdom. Anything you need to know, I've got it. doesn't work that way. Again, Pastor Chuck wrote, he put it this way, it's not a reservoir of wisdom that you can tap into. Rather, it's an anointing of the Spirit that comes upon you in a time of need and gives you the right words to say. Now, we have a great example of this over in the book of Acts. There in Acts chapter 6, there was this complaint that came up within the church of the daily distribution of food to the widows in the church. And at that time, you had kind of two different groups of the Jewish people, those that had been born and raised in the Jewish culture and those that had been born and raised in the Greek culture. Those that, those that had been born in the Greek culture, they spoke Greek and were called the Hellenists. And they were the ones that were feeling like these, these widows were being gypped. They were being discriminated against, that they were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve apostles got together and decided to appoint deacons to oversee the distribution. This was a word of wisdom, a a supernatural insight to solve a problem. Now, how do you know that it was supernatural? For one, if you know anything about the twelve apostles, nobody could ever accuse them of being altogether wise on their own. Besides, when they came to this conclusion, the word says in Acts 6 verse 5, and the statement found approval with the whole congregation. I mean, let me tell you, try to bring a quick solution to two large groups of angry people. You know that it takes an act of God. A whole congregation agreeing, yes, that's what we should do. But God gave these leaders a word of wisdom, a supernatural insight to solve the problem, and did so amazingly. Because if you look at the list of names that were chosen as deacons to oversee the food distribution, all of their names were Greek names. In other words, they put the Greek believers in charge because the Greek believers felt that the widows were being neglected. That's great. I mean, just think about it. A word of wisdom spoken at just the right moment can diffuse the most explosive situation. It's such a necessary gift in the body of Christ. And again, as with all spiritual gifts, the word of wisdom remains under the control of the Holy Spirit the source is the Holy Spirit, and it's not something we have whenever we want it. Rather, it's something that the Holy Spirit gives to us in an answer to a particular need. Now, 
Let me say it's okay to pray, Lord, we need wisdom, a word of wisdom right now, knowing how to deal with this issue. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask, the Bible says. You know, in leading the church here, I, I get together with the board once, once a year, and, and, and the elders, I get together once a month, and we pray for wisdom. Lord, give us wisdom and the decisions that we need to make. And again, I think it goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, to know the wisdom of God is from God, it has to line up with Scripture. We're not going to hear something that's different from the Word of God. Now, how is this gift used in the body of Christ today? Well, obviously... You know, pastor, teacher, the gifts of using teaching would be prophecy, the word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. And oftentimes I don't know that God has given me a word of wisdom in a person's life until they come up to me after service and say, hey, I really needed to hear that. I didn't know what to do in this situation. And, and man, you, the Lord just showed me through what you said. How did you know? How did you know what was going on in my life? Have you talked to my husband? Did you call somebody and ask what was going on? I said, no, we have cameras in your home. We know exactly what's going on in your life. And, and No, it's a word of wisdom. God gave me a word of wisdom and an illustration or an example because he wanted to touch a person's heart with what was going on in their lives personally. And I think some of you have exercised this gift as well, even not knowing it. You're, you're talking to someone and sharing with them and, and all of a sudden God gives you this word of wisdom to share with them and, and they go, wow, that, that was good. That makes sense. Where did that come from? And you're going, I don't know. Where did that come from? Not me. <laughs> but, but, but it's God. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Okay, the next gift. Verse 9. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Now again, these are supernatural gifts that come from God. You can't memorize the whole encyclopedia and say, well, I have the gift of the word of knowledge. No, you may have more knowledge, but it's not the gift of the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is a supernatural revelation of something that you couldn't possibly have known on your own. Now, an example of this gift would be over again in the book of Acts as the believers were seeking to, to help one another. Many of the people in the church, they were selling their, their, their belongings, their own land. They would sell it off, bring it to the, the money, the proceeds to the apostles in the church and, and help feed and clothe those in the church. But in Acts chapter 5, uh, in the, a guy named Ananias and his wife Sapphira decided they wanted a little glory for themselves, a little attention from the folks in the church. And so they sold off a piece of property and brought some of the, the money, some of the profits, not all of it, to the apostles and laid it at their feet. But they said, hey, this is all the money from the sale of our property. Now you would have think that the, the apostles would have been thrilled. Said, Man, that's awesome. He donated to the church. But suddenly Peter had the, the gift of the word of knowledge. And listen to what it said in verse Acts, 5, Acts chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. Same thing happened to his wife. Dead. First examples of being, truly being slain in the spirits. But it was a supernatural knowledge revealed by the Lord to Peter. Now let me say this. Not all words of knowledge end in death. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Many years ago, my wife and I, many, many years ago, uh, we went to New York City with Pastor Greg Laurie and we were doing an outreach. Back then he called it a New Beginning Outreach. But 
we were taking a trip to the World Trade Center and, and we forgot something back of the hotel room. So we got in a cab and, and, and drove, went back to the hotel and got what we needed. The taxi cab waited for us and we got back in and, and we started sharing with them why we were there. And, and all of a sudden the Lord just revealed to me that this man was a Jehovah Witness. It's just out of the blue. It's just like he's a Jehovah Witness. And so, you know, I'm sitting in the car next to my wife and I'm just kind of going, J.W. J.W., you know, and she wasn't catching it anyway. <laughs> so, on the back of the seat, J.W., you know. Finally, I just said, are you a Jehovah Witness? I just asked the guy, you know, and, and, and he said, how, how did you know? I said, well, I think the Lord revealed it to me. And we talked for like a, a half hour, and he didn't charge us for the right at all. And we invited him to the outreach and, and praying he would come to know the Lord. Never saw him again, but, but it was a gift of the word of knowledge in operation. And the word of knowledge is an exciting gift to be used by God in this way. Again, Pastor Chuck puts it this way. It's a divine impartation of knowledge concerning a person or situation that could not come through natural thought process. It's something that flashes into your mind which God prompts you to say. Again, in in teaching the word of God, obviously that's something that is used, or a word of knowledge. And of course, like with the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge remains under the control of the Holy Spirit. The source is the Holy Spirit. It's not something we we have whenever we want it. Rather, it's something that the Holy Spirit gives to us for a certain situation supernaturally. We We can't tap into it at will. Now, exercising these gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, we, we can do so in our everyday dealing with other people, but I believe that there should also be a time set aside as a church to be able to operate these gifts in what you know, many have called an afterglow service. You know, you, you spend some time in worship, spend some time in prayer, and then maybe someone has a, a psalm they want to read, maybe someone has something the Lord has showed them in their hearts, and it's an opportunity for these gifts of the Spirit to, to be used in, in a corporate setting like that. A, a set time and a set place for it. You know, we kind of, uh, you know, use our last Wednesday of the month, our, our, our praise, prayer, and communion night uh, to do this. We've done it before, but, but in, in this, this coming month I want to do it as well. Just set aside for the gifts of the Spirit. But let me say this, in that setting, there are people who may think they have the gifts of wisdom or a word of knowledge and may share something uh, openly and, and out loud and, 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 you know, they may say something to the effect of, well, God has given me a word of knowledge. There's someone here who's struggling with discouragement. You know, it's kind of like saying, I have a word of knowledge. There's someone here who is, who is hungry. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's about 99% of us here, I think. Who doesn't struggle with discouragement? You know, I don't think it's really a word of knowledge. I mean, it's a broad generalization. Don't get me wrong. I want people to use their gifts that God has given to them. And maybe there is someone who's struggling with discouragement. But as Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, we need to test all things. Make sure they're of the Lord. Make sure it lines up in Scriptures. Many years ago, when I first started learning about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and afterglow service and waiting on, and Harvest would do, uh, the church I was at would do one after the Wednesday nights. It would go up into this uh, little upper room they had, and, and uh, we would just do worship and, and wait on the gifts of the Spirit. And, and for the first three weeks in a row, there was this woman that would start, and she would say, Be still, the Lord, thus saith the Lord, be still and know that I am God. And she would do this very angrily. And it's like, is that God? I mean, is God telling us to, to shut up and listen to him? I, I mean, what is going on here? And the next week it did again. I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. 
I don't, this is, this isn't from the Lord. This is, this is this woman, I think she just wants to be heard or make a point. I don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, but, but we want to make sure that it's from the Lord and, and certainly we'll get into this next time, next week. But this brings us to our next gift to open. Verse 9. To another faith by the same Spirit. Now this too is a gift. It's given by God. It's sourced from God. It's, it's a supernatural gift of faith. Now we know Romans 12, 3 tells us to every man is given a measure of faith. That faith is, is by which you and I believed in Jesus Christ was a gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace we are saved uh, through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works that any man should boast. The faith to believe in Jesus Christ was given to us by God. But there are some that have a, uh, will have a supernatural gift of faith. And that enables them to step out and do things that might seem crazy in our eyes, they'll do something crazy for the kingdom of God. Listen, when God called me out here 20, almost 21 years, but 20 years ago, and God gave me and my wife both a gift of faith. I mean, we lived in California our whole lives. We, you know, had a nice home, a job, worked for the Postal Service for 17 years, actively involved in, in our church. The ministry was quite large. And God called us to leave. Just a time to go. And so we, with, without a house here, no health insurance. On top of that, our house hadn't sold in California. And my wife was pregnant. We said, all right, we got to go. People said, you're nuts. You're nuts. You know, but God has given us a, a spiritual gift of faith that none of those obstacles matter. We set a moving date, house or no house. We were heading out, no turning back. Looking back, I, I think, man, that was crazy. It was risky. And people said we were crazy. But at that time... God didn't allow us to, to see how crazy it was. All we knew is that God was giving us a gift of faith that we had to do it. To not do it would be like disobeying the Lord. That's been great. And, and I know, and, and, and God has blessed us, be, and we know it's been God's will for our lives. But I believe it started with that gift of faith. And we see it exercised in scriptures as well. Back to the, to the book of Acts in chapter 3 when Peter was going with John to the temple. And they saw this man seeking alms, money, and then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but I don't have, but what I have I'll be glad to give to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand to your feet and walk. And he took the man, lifted him to his feet. I mean, that's an act of faith right there. Lifting a man to his, to his feet. And immediately the man received strength and began to run and leap and praise God. Man, and the people caught wind of it and they were blown away. They said, wasn't this a guy that's been laying outside the temple all these years? Yeah, that's a guy. And all these people gathered around and Peter took the opportunity to stand up. And he said, in Acts chapter 3, verse 12 through 16, this is in the New Living Translation. He says, people of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy, righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. See, Peter recognized that this wasn't just some faith that he had. I can't go around lifting people to their feet who are lame. But the Lord gave him a special gift of faith in this particular instance. And, and, and he lifted the man to his feet and God healed him. And God was glorified. 
And Peter says, faith in Jesus' name is healed him before your very eyes. Now let me say this. The gift of faith is a spiritual gift that can't be turned on and off as you see fit. Peter had the word of knowledge, but not all the time. James had the word of wisdom, but not all the time. I don't always have supernatural faith to jump out and do the impossible. No, they're not there all the time. Remember, they're supernatural, not carnal. They're for the edification of the church, not for the glory of the person. And they're not always in operation all the time. This kind of goes along with the next gift. This too is a gift because it's been given. It's sources of God because it's through the same Holy Spirit. Something we should open. Look at verse 9. To another gift of healings by the same Spirit. Now I want you to notice something there. It's plural. It's gifts of healings. I don't, do not believe, and I don't see it in Scripture, there are people that those that have the gift of healing just going around and healing people. If they did, they should live at the hospital. You know, they should clean them out every single day. Our person, all right, all right, you're healed, you're healed. You know, you can't do that. It's not some something that you can be turned into on a whim like, like you know, the guy with the big hair and the white suit. You know, just slap you on the head and, and wave your coat and shout, be healed. doesn't work that way. Again, it's the gifts of healing. And I do believe that it, it's in conjunction with the gift of faith that God will speak to a person's heart and say, I want you to pray for this person because I want to heal this person and I want to use you to do it. But I don't believe God gives someone the gift of a, of a healer. Now, with that said, there are times when God gives someone the gift of faith in conjunction with the gift of healing. Peter, no doubt, was led by the Lord to reach out and say, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll be glad to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stand to your feet and walk. But you know what? He didn't do that with everybody that was lame. Neither did Jesus for that matter. There at the pool of Bethesda in John 5, it says that there lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Jesus chose to heal one man by that pool. And yet in Matthew 15, there were great crowds of people also needed healing. And it says Jesus healed them all. My, my point is the gifts of healing as with the other gifts come from God or led by God is the will of God and is an outpouring of God's heart to a man. And there are times, listen, where God will get more glory by not healing that person than healing them. Johnny Erickson taught us, she's a perfect example of that. How many people have come to faith in Christ because of her testimony? Imagine she would not have that impact if God had healed her. That's a perfect example of the sovereignty of God. Now, many years ago when I was uh, at Harvest, whenever Pastor Greg Glory would teach on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there was usually someone that would you know, want to come over to where my wife, my wife's in a wheelchair. She's been paralyzed since she was 15. But they would always want to come over and, and you know, want to, want to think they have the gift of healing and faith and want to pray for her for her paralysis. And even though I believe that Lisa is another example of the sovereignty of God as God used her to touch many people's lives that, that may not have been otherwise, we would let them pray because they were taking a big step of faith just to come over and, and want to pray. And I would never, you know, put that down, never reject it. There was this one time, however, that uh, Lisa, she got out of her chair and she was sitting in one of the, the seats and I put her chair in the back of the church and, and uh, service was over. It was one of those, those times that Greg taught in the gifts of the Spirit. And, I, and I, when I got her chair and I sat and I kind of rolled down the aisle and I was sitting there talking and a person came over to me and says, can I pray for you to be healed? And I stood up and he was like, <laughs> no, it's my wife's chair, but, but I love the look on his face. It was... It was kind of cool, but 
You know, there's another time where, where Pastor Greg tells a story where he was, he was teaching and, and the Lord kept touching his heart and saying, there's someone here I, I, I want to heal. There's a girl, and he sees this girl, and she's got casts on both sides of her legs. And she's sitting there in the seat, and, and Greg tells the story that, that I, I, I want to heal her. I, I want to heal her. And Greg's going, well, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to. He kept rejecting and rejecting. Finally, he says toward the end of the service, you know what? God wants me to pray for this woman right here. I don't know what's going on, but God is laying on my heart. We're going to pray for healing right now. And so he prayed for her, and, and after service came over and talked to the gal, and, and uh, basically... She'd been in a car accident, and both her legs, they were, the bones were crushed completely. Crushed completely. They, they weren't going to heal, and, and God miraculously healed them completely. Just, just, just completely healed them. God is still in the, in the, in the uh, exercise of the gifts of healing today. He wants to do that in the church. And let me tell you, that whole church, I mean, when we saw that, going, whoa. You know, and, and God just doesn't want to use one of us. I mean, we're told in James 5, verse 14 and 15, Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. You have five men around in a circle. We're laying hands on you. You need a healing. We're praying. You know what? If God wants you to be healed, you're going to be healed, number one. And number two, who gets the glory? God does. Not these men that are praying over you because who knows what God gave a gift of healing to one of these guys. God gets the glory. Believe me, if it wasn't a, a gift that we can have to heal at will, man, that, it's, well, that's the way I understood it when I first came to the Lord. And I prayed and I prayed. And, Lord, give me this gift. Why? Because I wanted my wife to be healed. But you need to realize as Paul prayed three times to have the thorn taken out of his flesh, the Lord said to Paul, My grace is sufficient to you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Again, there's times where God says, my, my, my glory will be stronger in you if I don't heal you than if I do you. See, the ultimate goal for our life in Christ is to glorify Him with our lives however He sees fit. Again, don't get me wrong, I do believe that the gifts of healing are still for today and God can use a person in healing them and I do, do, believe, do believe that my wife will be healed 100%. Either here on this earth or when we get to heaven, but she will be healed and she will be walking and Jumping and I'll be right there with her. The point is, God is in control, not man. And that really is the next gift to another, the working of miracles. Now, a miracle is a supernatural event in which God changes the natural laws and flow of things for a certain purpose. The dead have been raised, the lame made to walk, the blind to see. Some people say, well, we don't see miracles today. Nonsense. The fact that you're saved, that I'm saved is a miracle, okay, <laughs> in and of itself. We see countless miracles. We see it in the form of a transformed life of men and women who were written off by society and through the miraculous power of God, God's grace has saved them and changed them. There's, there's evidence of miracles all over the place. You know, we have our prayer list here at the church. We've seen God answer some pretty amazing prayer requests, do some amazing miracles. I mean, I got a couple testimonies. 33 years ago, my son, Christopher, this coming August, uh, was born. And they said, you listen, the part of his brain that controls his eyesight and his motor function is just not developed. He's going to be blind and he's going to be paralyzed on the left side of his body. And we prayed and we prayed. And uh, he's got the best eyesight of all the kids in the family. And he's ambidextrous. So, I mean, how do you do that? It's a miracle. On April 15th, the day my two granddaughters, Aubrey and Finley, were born, one pound, 14 ounces, two pound, one, uh, one ounce, we prayed for a miracle as a church. There they are, right there. If you look at them now, 
it's a miracle. I don't think they like the snow, but it's still a miracle. And I'm sure many of you have miracles under your belt that you're going, man, yeah, God has done this in my life. This was a miracle. I read of a story of a group of believers smuggling Bibles into Romania when uh, it was close to Christianity under a dictatorship. They had a special vehicle with hollow compartments that they stuffed full of Bibles to take them through the border crossing. At one point, they were being harassed by a Romanian uh, border guard who insisted on searching the car. A car. Our guard opened up the trunk and discovered the hidden panel in the trunk above the rear wheel, rear wheel well. As he opened it up, the driver shouted a prayer out loud, Lord, help! Guard reached his hand into the compartment nearly up to his shoulder. Nothing was there. Begrudgingly, he let them pass through into Romania. Amazed that the guard had been able to put his entire arm in the compartment, when they got a couple of miles up the road, they stopped and opened the trunk. When they opened the panel, there were all the Bibles that had been stuffed into that compartment. You couldn't even stick your finger in there more than a quarter of an inch. Listen, miracles still happen today. Believe that God can work miracles in your life personally, in your life, in our lives corporately as a church. Verse 10, another gift, another prophecy. It's a widely misunderstood gift. We briefly looked at it last time. I think we think of prophecy as foretelling of the future. And while that is part of it, it's actually foretelling of the Word of God. And really, we have prophecy in the Word of God as we talk about it. Despite what people think, most of the prophecy that was practiced in the early church was used for edification and for exhortation and for comfort in predicting future events. Listen to what Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, 19-21. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Peter calls the prophetic word, speaking forth God's word. It's a simple gift of prophecy. God using a teacher or a preacher to speak directly to you. And sometimes that can be in the form of prophecy of, of the future, but more often it's just speaking the word of God to someone that the Lord wants to speak to. Again, not limited to a pastor, teacher, to, you know, all of us. You know, as we spend time just waiting on the Lord and His Spirit moving in our hearts, we may have a word from the Lord, a, a psalm to, to share. And then all of a sudden, that's going to speak to someone else. It's speaking forth the Word of God. I, I, I hate to say it, but I have friends that, that, that uh, they, they post on social media verses. And a lot of those verses, man, they deal exactly with what I'm going through. And it's like, man, this, I, I needed to read this verse. It's good. And then uh, uh, finally we have the, uh, this last gift, uh, to another discerning of the spirits in verse 10. Now again, that's a misunderstood gift, the discerning of spirits. Some people think that's, it's the discerning to uh, spirits to, to be able to name demons. I discern you have the, the demon of lust, or I distinguish that you have the demon of alcoholism, or you, know, you have the, the demon of Krispy Kreme, and it's a, you know, the demon of a chocolate cake. And, the Bible doesn't teach us to, to, to do that. It is not a demon of this and a demon of that. But, but what is the, ex, the biblical explanation of discerning of the spirits? Well, John gives us insight in 1 John 4, 1 when he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
So the spirits are the attitudes, the motives of these people. Not necessarily demonic spirits, but the spirit of a person. You know, in the early church, there were already many who have gone out with their own agendas, false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. And we need the, the, the gift of discerning of spirits in the church today to, to alert us. Hey, there's a wolf in our midst. And so God, through the gifts of the discerning of the spirits, supernaturally warns us that someone has come in with an ulterior motive, maybe to fleece the flock of God, to rip us off, uh, us off or try to destroy us. And over the years, there have been wolves have come in to destroy the church, trying to spread false teaching, you know. And those, there have been those of those times that, that they've come to me and said, I, I don't know what's going on, there, uh, but there's something about this guy that, that, man, the Lord is saying that there's something not right. I, I'm not sure. And I go and I talk to the person and you realize, you know, that they're here to fleece the flock. They're here to do something. Now, you can't go crazy over this gift, okay? Everybody, some, someone walks in the door and looks a little bit funny. Oh, a little bit of discernment here. I don't know about that guy. I, I, he's a little weird. That's a pastor, okay? <laughs> you know. But there are times where we need that gift of discernment. And there, as I said, there are times where I've had to ask people to leave that have come in because they've come to, to prey on the people, to rip people off, pushing their false doctrine. I had a guy come in, he was a, a transgender, and I don't mind if they come in. I want them to hear the gospel. I want them to get saved. But, but he was promoting a book to, to say, this, it's okay to be accepting of a transgenderism in the church today. I said, man, you're welcome to him, but you, you know, you've got to get out of here. You know, the, Greg and I both talked to the guy, and you got to get out of here, man. You can't, you can't do this. I mean, I'd love to be here, but it, we want you to get saved, but, but you can't have this in the church. Amen. Finally, the last two gifts are to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, and we're going to save that for next time. There's no way we can we'll be here all afternoon if we get into this, and, as well as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the proper place to exercise these gifts. But but let's close with, with what Paul says here in verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. So these gifts of the Spirit are something that are all wrapped up in the sovereignty of the Spirit of God. I can't demand a, perfect, a spiritual gift, a particular gift to be operating in my life. can't go to a seminar and, and learn, you know, how the gift of prophecy. I can't learn how to, we'll see next week, how to speak in tongues. You, you, you can't get the gift of the word of knowledge just by thinking and hoping really hard. God gives them as he wills, when he wants, the way he wants. And we shouldn't allow the unscriptural practices that we see concerning these gifts to discourage us from seeking all that God has for us. To experience the love, the joy, and the power of living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I think there's so much more that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives personally and in our lives in our church. We just need to be open to it and give Him the opportunity to do it. So my prayer is that we may experience all the fullness of the Spirit and the gifts that He desires to give to us as we wait for the Lord's return. That we might apply these gifts to build up the body of Christ as believers and, and, and we'll see just God move powerfully in the coming year. So next time, We'll look at the, 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 the gift of tongues, um, and we'll see what that's all about. And, uh, you know, if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, you know, we're few this morning, but the elders are here. We'd love to pray with you. If, if there's a healing that you need, we'd love to anoint you with oil, pray for a healing. Uh, you know, it's seeking to use those gifts in the body of Christ. So with that, let's pray. Father, we thank you. 
Lord, we thank you for our verse for the year. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for working and moving in our lives. And we do pray, Father, as you give out gifts, Lord, uh, you would give us the gifts that you know that we need. Lord, there's other gifts besides these supernatural gifts, Lord. Just the, the gifts of hospitality, I think, of Lord. The, the gifts of, of just uh, 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 that you have, Lord. That We just desire these gifts, Lord, to be used by you to bring you glory. Thank you, Lord, for this time this morning. We do pray, Father, that if there's anyone here that is yet to know you, Lord, that they would come to know you this morning. And our desire, Lord, again, is to, to be used by you to bring you glory in the days in which we are living in. Lord, give us safe travel as we head our way home. Keep us safe through the snow and the ice. Thank you, Lord, for this time and for those that have been here, Lord. Uh, just give us, again, that wisdom to be used by you to bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.